All right, welcome to Brew Theology from the people of Denver Pub Theology. My name is Ryan Miller, and I'm here with Daniel Rosado. I'm here with Piper Ramsey, Kyle Sumner. Although let's 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 get real about the names that just changed. So yes. it is now. Love it. And then we have Janelle Apps Ramsey, not to be confused with the sister over here. Just a sister from another mister. Yep. Okay. So here's the thing. This is going to be raw and uncut, which Dan doesn't like the idea of that, but we're going to try to make this true to pub style. So we'll do a little intro into what Denver Pub Theology is all about, the purpose of the podcast, talk about the ethos, what works, what doesn't, why you would want to do something like this maybe in your little town or suburb. And uh, first things first, though, we're here at Platt Park Brewing Company in the best hood in the U.S. of A., which you guys can give me crap later for that. But before we go further, if our moms are listening right now, we have to use clean language. Yes. Okay. Just in case. No F-bombs, B-bombs, nothing. Nothing like that. Dan, I know you got a potty mouth. Yes. All right. So here we go. Uh, First things first, what are you drinking, Dan? I'm drinking the French farmhouse ale. I don't remember what the name of it was. It's really long. <laughs> Piper, what are you drinking? I'm actually drinking kombucha, so. Yes. I think I broke a lot. All drinks are welcome here. Okay. Drinking the tropical snow or something, I think. And I've got the mango wheat. And I've got the Doppelbach, which is only on tap tonight, otherwise known as the Brock Osweiler Bach but he's no longer with the Broncos. We're not here to talk about football. We're here to talk about beer and theology. And so uh, a little bit about ourselves. We'll do like a 30-second intro like we do at the pub. Again, my name's Ryan, and I grew up. Here's my heritage. Southern Baptist, evangelical, as you guys know. A lot of good stuff learned in that, and a lot of stuff over the years deconstructed, so to speak. So we'll get into that a little bit later. And I would say after uh, my Baptist years, when I moved out to Denver after college, I thought that Denver Seminary, which is where I went, was a very liberal school. Which you guys always laugh at when I say that, because now looking back, hey, it's really not a liberal school. Compared to your school, it's probably very conservative. We've got some Islip people in the house. This isn't about Islip or Denver Seminary, just a little bit of heritage. So uh, that opened me up to a little bit more of what's out there in the theological world after Denver Seminary. Started working at a UMC church, and the pastor there was actually really helpful, helped me We talked about the Sopranos and talked about anonymous Christianity, which would have been blasphemous back in our old Christian circles. And then after uh, getting into some Brian McLaren, some Rob Bell, Shane Claiborne, I became very uh, post-evangelical. And that was about 10 to 15 years ago, around 2003-ish. So now uh, how I would consider myself as far as labeling, I would be, uh, I say I'm an evolving Anabaptist methodocostal and all those labels, I know, are, are for another time and another story. So, little Anabaptist, little Methodist, little Jew, little Pentecostal. But people always question my Pentecostal. And I'm a very... Uh, so, yeah, you did. You don't think I'm Pentecostal. All right, so that's my intro. And now Dan's up. Okay. <laughs> I'm Dan Rosado. Uh, I was born in Puerto Rico and grew up in a Pentecostal church. And then when we moved to the States, went through a few different kinds of charismatic churches, you know, the non-denominations, and then we were in the assemblies of God for a little bit, and then it wasn't until the end of high school, beginning of college, that I started kind of figuring out what I believed and kind 
kind of working out my faith, as they say, and um, learned a lot through that time. Flirted with Calvinism, unfortunately, for a while. It's a dark, dark place in my We're going to bring a Calvinist <laughs> in very soon. It's going to happen. Oh, perfect. I, I love it. Uh, it's predestined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and let's see. I find myself today heavily influenced by process philosophy. Still consider myself a uh, Christian and learning from Eastern religions like Buddhism. So that's about right. me in a nutshell right now. Cool. Piper. Okay, well, I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, a pastor's kid. Um, the Church of the Nazarene is a pretty small uh, Wesleyan evangelical denomination. Um, I went to a Nazarene school and got my theology, and I just happened to become vegan. I uh, watched a documentary, and I realized um, it really influenced my faith and influenced um, the way I started to go out uh, participate in the world, and that kind of drew me into um, radical Christianity, um, so I'm now interested in kind of anarchism and feminism and animal rights and all those things kind of wrapped together, but what I feel called to do is actually pastoral care. So I'm going to school and I'm getting my degree at Island School of Theology, um, my Master's of Divinity right now, so that's where I'm at. Nice. All right, Kyle, you're up. So I'm Kyle Ramsey Sumner. Um, I, I, love the, I love the name change. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. They just got married, for those that don't know them. Yeah, it's awesome. This is our one month. I wish you guys could see them right now. They're a beautiful couple. Look at them, so lovely. Someday we'll do this video. So, beside, beside the embarrassing looking cute with my wife, uh, <laughs> I, I grew up in the southeast in North Florida, which is basically South Alabama. Um, I grew up evangelical. Uh, the particular denomination I was growing up in was the Methodist Church, but Theologically, it was the exact same as the Baptist church uh, across the street, essentially. Um, so until, like, until I graduated high school, I would say that's the only form of Christianity that I actually knew. Um, I rebelled against that understanding of Christianity, of Jesus, of God, all these concepts, um, because that was my limited worldview. In college, uh, I began to find things like liberation theology uh, that really captivated my thought and attention. Um, I became vegan, um, I was an anarchist, um, and I slowly began to think about how those things um, were congruent with my understandings of, of Jesus, these new understandings that I was developing within liberationist thought. Um, so I currently go to Island School of Theology. I'm interested in uh, animal liberation, leftist politics, and Christianity, um, and I'm interested in pursuing uh, PhD and more research in that, hopefully one day being a final uh, ethics professor or something like that. So if anyone has a job opening, yes. I want to take classes from you. Yeah, see, I already have one e person signed everybody up. Everybody should <laughs> remember that name, Kyle from Ireland. Okay, now Janelle is last but not least. Uh, my name is Janelle. I was born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene from a third-generation Nazarene family. 
Uh, I also received a call to ministry in my first year of college and pursued that wholeheartedly uh, for the last uh, about 19 years. Uh, we moved to Colorado four years ago and knew that it was time to make a change, so we walked away from that path. I'm, we as I'm married and have been married for a while, so we is kind of natural for me. Um, and uh, so now I would kind of, I'm happy to adopt the label progressive. I attend House for All Sinners and Saints in Denver, and uh, I love having a much broader view of the world and how Christ interacts with that world. It makes a whole lot more sense now. Yeah, so what's unique about this group, as we all know, is that all of us would claim the label as Christian, but maybe others who are Christians wouldn't put that label on us. And here's the other interesting thing. (laughs) Even though we're all pretty progressive in this circle, we do have evangelicals. So the, you want to like stop listening, like, oh, there are a bunch of liberals. Like, no, 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 we have evangelicals. I also reject the term liberalism. I prefer radical. Okay. I'm not a reformist. And we also, well, we have said conservative, Russian, Orthodox. We've got agnostic, we have Buddhist, we have Jew, we have, so yeah, again, every week we're gonna be bringing somebody different, unique, but these are, so these are my friends, I trust these guys. We're doing an intro, we're not really doing a topic today. And so we're going to kind of ask the question to each other, like, so what is Denver Pub Theology? Why do you uh, go to Denver Pub Theology? And why does the world need a little bit more of uh, Denver Pub Theology? So we're here to brew some theology, but tonight's more to give everybody like a little bit of an intro. And I met, so Dan, I met uh, almost two years ago now doing a Christology course online. And then we met in January. Was it two years ago? Okay. So then it was about a year and a half ago when you were the first one that I met. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we were just like five guys hanging out in a pub once a month. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then a few months later, it was like, hey, we should do this every month. Which then we came back here to Platte Park. We did Atonement Theory, right? Yep. And then I met you guys a little bit later. Yeah. Probably like, actually, Kyle first, a couple weeks later, then Piper. So we're all like sort of new friends, but yet it feels like we're old friends. Because different pub theology has grown fairly quickly within like a year and a half. And then Janelle, I met you pretty much right after I met these guys. Yeah. We've all known each other over a year, so we're like veteran friends. And I knew Dan, and that's how I started uh, coming. I've yeah. known Janelle the longest in this group. You guys are jealous? <laughs> I'm a little jealous, yeah. yeah. So Denver Pub Theology now, probably we have about 70 active people. Yeah. Uh, 30 people on average show up, and then the weeks in between, over 20 now. Uh, so uh, here, here is like the description. So I'm going to read this, bear with it, because I think these words are important, and then Kyle can deconstruct it later since he likes to do that kind of stuff. So here is the question. It says, do you like wrestling with meaningful questions? Do you like Hopalicious local brew? I just like to put in the word Hopalicious pretty much in everything I write. Yeah. So how about enjoying both at the same time? Denver Pub Theology is a diverse community filled with a mosaic of amazing people across the religious and non-religious spectrum. We hold organized weekly conversations at a local brewery or pub. DPT is a growing community that gathers around an eclectic table with rad moderators like these peoples around me right now, keeping the convo flowing over some brutastic Colorado craft beer. We brew up some zesty topics and relevant questions ranging from Christianity to atheism, Buddhism to Judaism, etc., along with kicking around conversations pertaining to science, philosophy, sex, gender, race, politics, socioeconomic, and justice-centric issues. We are very open and honest. Everything is on the table. 
And if you're going to get bent out of shape, if someone questions what you think, well, maybe this isn't the place for you. Some of the greatest theological conversations throughout the history have happened at local pubs. So let's keep that tradition alive. We find that even in our disagreements and differing beliefs, DPT is a safe ecumenical community that values one another. We find common ground in our shared humanity and are strangely yet remarkably unified by being together. In addition to the weekly DPT pub talk, we offer ongoing socials like pool parties, woohoo, <laughs> and we plug some nonprofit events and interfaith movements on a regular basis for more common good and common common ground and common good fun. So all the same thing. Dan likes the word common good. I do too. It's true. All right, so we affirm all people. Everyone's voice truly matters. And let me say that one more time. Everyone's voice truly matters. We simply ask that everyone be respectful, loving, and gracious toward his or her fellow Denver theologian. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And actually, I would love for Janelle to talk about the ethos and the ground rules. And, and then we need to bring Liz into this, too, and add the PS. Yeah. Okay, go for it. So we try to really create a great environment for discussion. And we have four simple rules. And one of those is no soapboxes allowed. No one person or viewpoint gets the last word. Uh, number two is that we respect all others and their viewpoints. Number three is that we extend courtesy by listening well. And number four, everything is up for discussion. And the bottom line is, don't be rude or obnoxious or annoying. <laughs> Come and participate. Respect the other humans at the table and talk about some really deep and meaningful things that go on in each of our lives. Yeah, and here's the cool thing about that. We've actually only had one issue. That was a year ago when we talked about feminism. We have a few feminists around the circle. But outside of that, everyone's been cool to the most conservative, to the most progressive-minded. And so let's talk about like what we've covered this year, and then we'll get into like more of why you keep coming back and what works. So as far as topics, do you guys like we've we've covered about thirty topics yeah, in the past a year, lot. such as uh, we've done some on racism, we've done one on uh, gender identity and LGBTQIA. Uh, we've talked about. Did we talk about veganism? Not yet. Not yet, but that one oh, is coming. definitely pending, one that's pending. coming. It is. Coming this fall. Yeah. <laughs> coming this fall. We've talked about several different theologians, including T.F. Torrance, and uh, I don't know if the guys remember some of the other ones. We've talked about process, theology. Did we? Well, we did We did uh, the attributes of God. Okay. Right. Well, that, yeah, so that always comes in. always comes in. We had atonement theories. We did atonement. Relational interdependence. Oh yeah, I did that interdependence one. Uh, and then you wrote the Empire Strikes Back with God and the Empire. That was your, I like titles. For, yeah, that was his title. Empire Strikes Back was your title. But you wrote the content. Yes. So that one was. We talked about Calvinism. Yep. And just last week was fundamentalism. We talked about that. The liberation theology. Yeah, liberation theology. Yeah, specifically, I think that was supposed to be more of the. It was John, Latin, John C. Reno. Of yeah. Liberation theology. So, but yeah, feminist. Right. Yeah, we've done like pagan Christmas, Hanukkah, immigration, yeah. Eastern Orthodoxy, Lent, Passover, monasticism. Black Lives Matter, which we need to revisit. We do. And have more black folk be the center of the conversation. Absolutely. 
So, so speaking of just that topic and others, we're actually going to be bringing in every six weeks, starting in two weeks, a speaker who can have the floor for like 30 minutes, do a Q&A, and the last hour will be what we typically do. So if, cool. if we're actually going to talk about like gender, transgender, we're going to have somebody who's actually that. And if we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter, I'm not going to be speaking. You're not going to be speaking. You know, uh, if we're going to have a Muslim speak about Islam, which is, hey, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, and good. we're going to have a Jewish rabbi talk about rabbi stuff. And I can, because <laughs> Dan likes to make fun of me because I'm, yeah, I got my, my, Jew, my, my Jew in my blood. So, and he says I'm not a real Jew. So we're going to have a real Jew. Man, now everyone thinks I'm a jerk. <laughs> well, he broke rule number five uh, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so actually, Liz has two extra rules. Okay. Uh, do we know what they are? Do you guys remember? She always adds them to her group, which is kind of fun. So one of them is if uh, whatever happens, this, this will be difficult because yes. we're going to air this, right? So whatever. <laughs> this won't work on the podcast. If something's personal, then it's confidential within the group. So if you actually come to Denver Club Theology, then we will respect that in your story. But if you're on the podcast, it's out there for the interweb, so sorry. And then the next one is, and I gave her pushback on this one last week, that if somebody has something that you disagree with, so uh, if Dan and I are arguing, uh, or Andy and I, which we argue at times, and he'll be on about some stuff, then I can't directly go back at him, and he can't go back at me. We have to ask the group overall. Oh, that's I, cool. Yeah, that's yeah, it is a good idea. Very Buddhist stuff. Yes. yes. She's such a peace person. Uh, all right, so... Uh, well, and so is Andy. <laughs> Absolutely. Andy's our, one of our resident pacifists, and uh, so he likes to keep things a little calmer, which is awesome. Okay, so any, anybody can chime in right now. So just a few questions that we have here, and asking you guys why you think we're so successful. When I say successful, meaning like people actually come and then they come back again. I think that's, that's pretty successful. They enjoy it. They like being here. Why are we successful uh, in a world Fru that seems fruitful? fruitful. No, no, there's your word, fruitful. In a world that seems to not do this well. What makes this work? I think the thing that I've heard from a lot of people, they say that they are just like craving conversation that's deeper than how's the weather or talking about work or about celebrities or whatever. They want to talk about the kinds of things that they did when they were in college, hanging out at bars or hanging almost seems like when you when you leave that kind of the undergrad world you have to be an adult and like you there's no space to just like talk and to think about these things people get too burdened with it so uh, that's why I think people are drawn to pop theology because it's a place where you can keep up those conversations what about the rest of you guys what do you think I think for me um, whenever I hear the word open um, or I hear the, like, the idea tossed around that everything is on the table, red flags immediately come up for me because religious spaces typically like to claim those things, but whenever you're there, um, it's sort of an infinite redress where you're kind of backing into a corner afraid to speak your mind because of the overwhelming presence of other people's ideologies and ideas. And I think in pub theology, everything actually is on the table. And I think when people show up and they kind of put their necks on the line, um, expecting to have it chopped off. I mean, it really, you're, you're welcomed. And I think that's something that's very different from even progressive churches that I've encountered. And I think it's something that keeps people coming back, is you know, 
even if we disagree, um, it's a loving space, it's a welcoming space, and I think that's something that's different than almost anything I've found anywhere else. Yeah. People regularly comment that they feel safe here, and that they feel like they can come and, and be part of that. And for a lot of the people that are coming, uh, they are recovering from some sort of spiritual tradition that was very confining and very legalistic, and they're trying to find their footing again. How do I make sense of the world without this tradition I was brought up in? And having a safe space to do that is some, it really is kind of a foreign feeling after the churches they've been, if they're still religious. And so we, we really try to create a space where you can come and find your way through this together with us, and that's okay. Yeah, I feel like every week there's always somebody, whether they've said it like 10 times or it's the first time it's somebody new, and you always hear this, I grew up this, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Mormon, and then you wait for it, and then they kind of wonder like, is, is this a safe place? And I remember somebody saying that a while back, like her friends were going, I don't know, is there a bait and switch there? She's like, no, actually these people, they care about me, they affirm me, it doesn't matter where I've come from or what I'm going to say, so the world needs more of that for sure. Yeah. And I, I like that. It's a space where people can dig up the things that society encourages us, um, secular and religious, um, to repress. So we know we're all suffering. We have loss in our lives. And I like that Denver Pub Theology is a place where people can dig that up and be very honest and vulnerable. You know, we have people that through various conversations we're talking about a, a topic or a theme, but it will come up, my spouse just passed away. Uh, my wife had another miscarriage. I'm struggling in my job right now, whatever. And I like that that's a space where people can both uh, be honest, feel welcome, and, and feel loved. And you know, it's interesting because it's most of the time strangers, right? So what have you guys learned about yourself through the past year plus doing this? Which is, now we're going to get vulnerable. Um, online. On the line. On the line! What about you, Dano? What have you learned about yourself? I've learned to listen well. Not that I'm there yet. There is no there. <laughs> but I talk a lot. That's always been a, a gift and a, and a problem. <laughs> a blessing and a curse, so it's kind of taught me to listen well, and that there was something really um, sacred in the listening, yeah. and it's also taught me to, through that listening, to learn from other people. Um, and there's so many times, as much as we think that we're uh, progressed or we've transcended our literalist or conservative past, there's times where you're like, oh, Here's this person. I already feel better than them. I already know more than them. And they say they say something that changes you. And I love that that can happen. And that that uh, the possibility of surprise is really awesome. Well, I think yeah, probably most of us would say majority of people who come in are talkers. Like you're, they're a little bit more extroverted. Not all, but like they want to they want to talk have about something to say this sure. certain topic. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's the hardest thing to do. I mean, from a talker to another talker, right, to listen, it's tough. Who's going to listen if we're both talking? Yeah. I can 
I, I think the thing I've learned the most in my experience in pump theology is that I'm not alone. And I think what I mean by that is that sometimes when you grow up in a very specific mindset, that and you and you kind of leave that, and you push that away, and you reject that, and you go on somewhere else. There's kind of this lingering void that kind of exists. And you don't really know what to do with it. You don't know what to do with the pain that you've experienced, um, the rejection that you experienced from communities that that was the only thing you knew as like your your source of like steadiness in the world. Um, and I think when you come to puppyology and you, and you say that thing where I I grew up. X, Y, and Z, but now I'm here. Um, there's so much that's said in that, in that statement um, where you know, when we grow up in a certain community, if you leave that community, that's typically all we do. Um, and I think when you kind of talk about that um, out loud at a table with other people who also say the same things, there's a sense of community that bonds you together immediately, whether or not ended up in the same place, there's still that journey that's so remarkably similar. And I think that is the most, I don't know, that's what my biggest takeaway is from theology is that I'm not alone in that journey, I'm not alone in all those feelings that arise when I hear uh, the word fundamentalism, or I hear the word conservative Christianity, or, or maybe it's something else for someone else, but I think those memories, those past experiences that we have, um, I think really bond us together the beauty, the beauty in that is that at least my experience of pop theology has been versus other communities um, is that no one's trying to fix it, right? That sense of loss, that void, or whatever it is, which is probably there all along. Um, we just bear it together, and that's where our sense of community comes from. Not, oh, that's easy. Let me just fix it. Here's a quick like no life is difficult yeah. this is hard but me too right yeah we probably come from similar traditions where it was all about fixing and you're like oh i'm so broken <laughs> like you know. I, I feel like for me i i'm not crazy like that's <laughs> no really like so being in ministry for gosh forever now almost like i guess 18 years there are moments where you're like, who can I talk to about these things that I'm thinking? This, or even like when I remember like reading the Bible years ago, underlining things and like, and you know, biblical, right? And I'm going, but I'm reading something totally different from what maybe I was taught or what, you know, the lead pastor's saying. So to have a place where I go, oh, okay, so you guys are Christians too and you're just as crazy as me. That's refreshing. Uh, and that's just from, from my, my tradition, like uh, being a Christ follower. The fact that I can sit across the room from a Buddhist friend or agnostic friend and go, oh wait, like we actually agree on the same stuff. Like, are we are we both crazy or maybe are we on to something better than these traditions, you know, together? But uh, having like an interfaith, interreligious conversation to me growing up was never going to happen. So, yeah. I think one of the surprising things was a couple weeks ago, one of our atheist members said something reflecting on my journey in ministry as a woman. And her perspective was just so amazingly helpful. And one, I never expected that from someone that just doesn't believe the things that I believe. 
um, but also the fact that she was willing to say, like, the struggles you've had and the journey you've had as a woman in ministry are real, and they do impact you, and they do make a difference on how you view yourself, and, and that's probably one of the biggest things that I've just had to, like, accept and embrace here is that I have a voice here. Uh, Ryan has been phenomenal along with the other table leaders to just say that you are an equal and you belong here and you have a right to be leading and writing and doing these things. And especially for a lot of women coming out of conservative Christianity, you just don't get that message. There are always limits, whether they're spoken or they're unconscious biases. They exist and they eat at you. And so I'm so thankful for the, the level of equality that we've created at Denver Public Theology. And I think it's essential to anyone that wants to do this work to make sure that there are lots of voices at the table. Good stuff. Um, I guess I would say one thing that I've learned is um, that everybody has a story. And we actually did, didn't we do a week where everyone shared stories? And that was really cool and kind of just an insightful thing because this group is mostly just people who like found this website. You know, they found the meetup and they're like, what's this? Click, click. And then they showed up. And now people have these real relationships and friendships with each other. People they probably would never have talked to. And it, yeah. then back to people, everyone has a, having a story. I think that that just is a humbling thing. And it's um, a good way to remember um, to love people. Because even though this group is very like diverse and very Knowing that everybody has a story and there's a series of events that bring us to this point um, makes it a little different when approaching conversations and even walking out of the pub at the end of the night, having this different idea like walking past people. Everybody has something that's going on. Everyone has a history, a story that they want to tell. So uh, we are going to come to a close, but before we do that, let's have some fun. So it's, oh, not, it's not. A, oh, it's not on the schedule. It's not on the agenda. Oh, what's, what's raw that? and it's, this is raw. We're not, <laughs> so we're not going to edit a thing. By the way, you guys are getting the real deal. Who is? This is kind of fun. We, you guys have answered this before. So your favorite theologian or religious figure, and if he or she is to be a brew, or or if they if they passed, if they if they were to have been a brew, or you can say cocktail too. How about cocktail wine? kombucha because all drinks matter and say having said that name that person and then you gotta explain yes you, you gotta explain why you know like uh, you know you can't just say oh because i like the taste of an ipa like no just, i'm putting you guys in the spot some of you already answered this before in other settings so one of my favorites is ian morgan cron and he writes um some theological fiction and also does work with the enneagram and I read his book, Chasing Francis, early on, and it was super transformative for coming out of my conservative tradition and realizing there was a bigger world. It just, it made all the difference in the world. And I think if we were sitting down and having a drink, uh, we would definitely have a dry dock, dry dock apricot, or a pyramid apricot, something like that, a nice smooth wheat, makes for a comfortable conversation and uh, creates a great atmosphere. You're so legit. <laughs> Beautiful description. She's thought about this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so when I wrote my little blog Q&A thing, I mentioned John Cobb, 
he's already got a beer. Uh, I mentioned Rene Girard, and I said he'd probably be a French farmhouse ale. Because, mm. you know, it's French. And uh, I didn't mention Philip Clayton, but he's... I'm a, I'm a Philip Clayton faniac. Uh, he's a big deal. Uh, and then I have to say, I know that's a lot of people, but there's a lot of poets that I look up to. Mary Oliver, she's up there. Uh, that geese poem gets me every time. And she'd be... She'd be like a kombucha poem. A good kombucha is good, right, Piper? Yeah. Uh -huh. So I haven't thought about this at all. Um, <laughs> so I've been scrambling in my head. I have um, too many in my head. I Jack, can't even Jack Caputo. So my favorite Rollins. theologian changes like every week. Feel um, Petey today but or I, Jackie? I think this is probably going to be embarrassing if you ever listen to this, but currently my favorite theologian is one of my professors at Iowa, Miguel De La Yes, um, I'm going to tag him on Twitter. <laughs> Miguel, we love you. He, Done. He would absolutely reject the, the uh, title as theologian. Uh, I guess he would be more commonly called antithesist. That's probably what he totally jumped on my throat now. Um, but I think if we were having a drink together, he would probably be a whiskey guy. Um, he's brown, he's strong. Um, yes. He, um, yeah, he's um, pretty awesome. Thoughtful, he's unique, he's tasteful, but he's also got that bite. You know? At least expect it out. Exactly. I'm totally tagged. I really am. <laughs> so I would say um, I really love Dorothy Day. Um, I just think that she she's very influential to um, a lot of people that are interested in slash theologian, but something barrel-aged, something probably whiskey-barrel, I don't know, maybe rye, a little rye in there, why not? Rye. And I, yes, for, for whatever reason, when I when I read Heschel as a Christian, and I know he's, he's a Jew, I feel like he, he writes more to my soul than most Christian writers that I know. So, um, having had, like, understood the Hebraic history of the church, I go, man, this, this guy, this is where it's at. Heschel, something whiskey-barrel-aged. That's me. So, okay, why should anybody listen to this podcast in the, in the, the 30 seconds? Go. Why should, I mean, because this is not going to be from here on out. It's going to be different. Because we're a ton of fun. Tucka, 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 tucka. Give Scott a hug. I'm like, eat myself. <laughs> Raw and uncut. Uh, they should listen because there's a lot of interesting folk that go to Denver Pub Theology, and they'll probably be on the podcast at some point. 
Dan literally has to go I, pee right I'm, now. Yeah, He's going to leave us. See you, Dan. Love you, Dan. <laughs> so you should listen to this podcast because it's going to be enlightening. It's going to be welcoming. It's going to be everything that Denver Puppyology is but in a podcast. You don't have to be in Denver. You can be somewhere else. You can listen. You can learn. You can do this in your own community. Yeah. And we'll help you do that. Exactly. Yeah. Stay tuned. All right. If you're in Denver, you have to join us. Yeah, sure. of course, absolutely. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at Denver Pub Theo. They make they make us cut it off with Theo because of characters. Instagram is at Denver Pub Theology, and like us on Facebook again, Denver Pub Theology. So we also have some Q and As and some notes and questions. Although if you're stealing our stuff, you owe me a beer. Just saying. Go to DenverPubTheology.blogspot.com. And yeah, we're old school Google Blogspot. That's right. That's yeah. There we go. Google's the way to go. And like Kyle said, if you are in Denver or Piper, you both said this. I think. Just come on, come on, bring it. Come on. I said it better. You did. Said it way better. And we're gonna keep drinking. So peace, guys.